You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, it's the Undercard. The Undercard brings you the best in hand combat sports. Featuring major interviews, current events, and the hottest ring girls from around the nation. The Undercard is sponsored by Falling Down Beer Company, Podcast Detroit Studios, and is produced by Rochelle Witten. And now, here are your hosts, Brad, Cody, and Jimmy. Welcome to the Undercard, everybody. Get used to these casual starts. Uh, episode 286, we celebrate the year 1986, uh, Jimmy. Are, are are we actually going to celebrate it this time? We can celebrate 1986, and you weren't here last week. I was not here Ill. last week because and I was so ill. 1985, we celebrated. Did we? How did we celebrate 1985? Uh, what did I do for 1985? I can't remember. <laughs> but 1984, I did wear an Alan Trammell jersey, and I did wear uh, an Alan Trammell tire cap. Mm. Tonight, though. You did. You did. Yeah, that's Tonight, true. Uh, yeah. in honor of. Lift lift your, br- your brim up a little bit too. I can't. The, 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 the <laughs> nice people thing. can't see your eyes. That's a good thing. <laughs> uh, we're celebrating two Harbaugh's today. First off, uh, player Harbaugh from okay. 1986, where he guaranteed a victory over Ohio State. Okay. And then we got the official uh, Jim Harbaugh coaches uh, Jordan mm-hmm. cap here. So, do, but but do do you really want to play Jim Harbaugh? I love Jim Harbaugh. No, I mean... I celebrate him. I I, I, I like him, too. He's a great guy, but he, he's not really doing what he said he was going to do with the Michigan football program. Patience. Patience. I, uh, He'll get there. I'm not worried about but, it. I mean, but, but how long? How long do we give him before we say, you know what? You're just not delivering on what you said. I don't know. I think it could maybe <laughs> turn around this year. We'll see, though. What? All right. But, we'll see. So in honor of his 1986 prediction of uh, beating Ohio State, and uh, I believe he graduated in 86, too, uh, Jim Harbaugh today we're celebrating. So, um, all But right. also, um, all the people that are on the street that just like look up and wave, that's so funny. Uh, but anyways, um, also a big week in boxing. We'll get to that in two seconds. But uh, really quickly, as we were coming in today, Steve Eiserman uh, stepped down as the GM of Tampa Bay. We are like a like a spitting distance away from the LCA. So speculation is maybe you'd come back. To I the still Detroit refuse to call it the LCA. I don't know well, what I'm going to call it. I yet, call it the LCA. Be- well, it, I know. It, I mean, it, I don't, I don't even want. I don't even want to call it the abbreviation. Well, honestly, call it Pizza I, Hut. I, well, no, I honestly, honestly, I'm I, I am now, and they should change the name. Illiches, if you're listening, which I'm sure you're not, because why the hell would you listen to this program? But Illiches, if you're listening, change the name to the Hockey Town Arena. We are still Hockey Town. No, we're not. We are. We are still Hockey Town. Just because, just because we lost last year and did, and for the first time in forever, not made it to the playoffs, does not mean that we are no longer Hockey Town. And if you want to know why attendance is down, it's because you named your arena the Little Caesars Arena. People are pissed at you, and they're not going to go. And then you make the seats so small, no average human being can sit in them. You need to change the seats. You need to change the name of the arena. 
and rename it Hockey Town Arena. I guarantee you people will come back. I, I disagree with my uh, friend over there. I, I think it has to do with ticket prices. And, and you know what? I, I, and I, why I, do you think ticket prices are so high? Because of the new arena. But I'm just exactly. saying. Exactly. Uh, it's not and only because ticket the prices, Illiches, it's the product. Because, the product well, sells. no, because the Illiches are also, they're greedy. They named the arena after themselves. They raised ticket prices. No. You, 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 you give the people what they want, not what you want. Right. But traditionally uh, lions excluded um when the tigers win attendance is up when tigers lose attendance goes down well, yeah, same with and the I pistons mean, and same with the red wings I, and, and that's and that's exactly and how that's it is, why we're, we're not still, hockey town anymore. but we're still hockey town if we were not hockey town attendance would be way lower than it is way lower than it is i went to a few games where it it felt like a practice. It was really, really, really okay. Uh, but let me ask you this: scary. What was the seating capacity of Joe Louis Arena? Uh, Nineteen thousand, or just just under twenty? Just under twenty. And what is the seating capacity of LCA? I forget. Is it like twenty two, twenty three? I, like I don't know. That's so why I'm asking you. I'm not. It's I'm more. Not, it's more. Okay. So you're raising ticket prices, which means the average person in this area is not going to be able to go to just a regular game anymore. And then you also increase the seating capacity, which makes it look emptier than what it actually is. We are still hockey town. People are still going to the games. It's just not in record numbers, but they're still going. If we were not hockey town, that place would, would be even more desolate and more deserted. But we're still hockey town. We the only way that we would not be hockey town is if the Red Wings stopped winning like any games whatsoever, and then there'd be a couple years and we come back again. We are still hockey town. Don't 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 kid yourself. We are still hockey town. Hockey town was just a marketing slogan anyway. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We are still hockey town. I'm telling you this right now. We are still hockey town. And if we get Iserman back, which is what the speculation that we're, you know, I mean, a lot of rumors. But I guarantee you, if we get Iserman back, at least for a while, there will be a boost in ticket sales. Oh, yeah. I mean, people love the captain. Uh, But how can you not? He's the greatest guy ever. But it sounded like at his press conference, he's just coming back to Detroit for family. He's staying on as an advisor for Tampa Bay. He has one year left on his contract. Ken Holland just signed a two-year extension in April. Uh, yeah, I'd like to see Steve Eisenman come back and, and be president of this organization. I, obviously, he did great in Tampa Bay. Um, or maybe he's just burnt out. You know, there, there I, reaches I'll, a point where, like, uh, but, you I think know, he's 53. Yeah, 53. Uh, I think. Yeah. You reach a point in your life where, I mean... I mean, money's no longer an object for Steve Eiserman. It just, you know, the the time that takes in to be a GM, if you have an opportunity to, uh, I know his kids are in college and stuff, if you have an opportunity to just enjoy the golden years and stuff and, and come back to Detroit, which uh, still has a house in Bloomfield Hills and all that, uh, that that's probably what he's doing. And, and uh, Red Wing fans are going to go nuts for no, no apparent reason. Well, but I... And- Okay. Yeah. Let's, he, let's, let's well, look at Allen. He's probably burnt out a little bit, but I guarantee you. Okay. So he's 53 right now. Uh, comes back to Detroit. Still got a year left on his contract at Tampa. He'll be in a, I think you said an advisory. advisory. Right. Yeah. So, which means, got a, right. So he got a about a year. 
And then he'll have a year where he's not doing anything. And then after a year of not doing anything, he'll be like, you know what? I'm freaking bored. I got to go do something. And that's when we'll get him as our president, GM, whatever. I don't know. There's some nice golf courses. First off, Oakland Hills, right down the street from where he lives. There's there, there's some I'm stuff not, to do. I, and I'm not saying that he's not going to take a break. I'm saying that eventually every every single person who has ever retired, it doesn't matter if you're white collar, blue collar, yellow collar, whatever. After you retire, you have like a couple of years where you're just like, oh, my God, this is so great. I don't have to do anything. And then what happens after that? In Detroit, you go and you work at the Henry Ford Museum, Greenfield Village, or you work as a greeter at Walmart because you just can't not be doing something. You take a break. You take those couple of years, but eventually you will go back and do something because nobody can actually retire, retire because you just, you get antsy, you know, <laughs> the, the wife's nagging you, your kids are coming over too often. You're just like, I got to get out of here. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. Maybe. I don't know. Well, think I, I, about, I mean, really think about it. Think about every person that you've known who is retired. How long do they stay actually retired? Like, uh, I mean, I know a lot of people that, like, do, I mean, vacations. and I, right. I mean, I guess I know a lot of people that are retired because of w- what I do. Um, right. And how, but, how many of them, but how many of them are just are just being retired and not doing anything? Um, I don't know. Maybe half of them. Okay. It's well, just hanging out and, all right. you know. But, but when you're in, I, and, and I think maybe that kind of has to do with maybe a little bit of a mindset too, but when you are, you know, uh, you know, uh, your job was something where you're constantly go, 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 that gets ingrained in you. And yeah, you need a break every now and then, but eventually you're just like, I can't, I can't sit still for this long, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'd like to see Steve Eiserman like in an ownership group to actually own the Red Wings, I think that would be. Better I than don't the think GM. they would ever sell. I don't think the Illiches would ever sell. Maybe you never know. I, I, I don't think. Okay, everybody's got. I don't price. think they would sell, and even if they did, I don't think. I mean, yeah, I guess if it was a conglomerate of a couple of people, it would be like Mario Lemieux and when Wayne Gretzky got into the Coyotes. Yeah, I was going to say because I'm saying Iserman by himself does not have the no capital to to buy him out. But yeah, you know, maybe uh, uh, Gretzky or not Gretzky, jeez, maybe Iserman uh, and a couple other people could you know get together and yeah, I could see that happening. Yeah, I could see that happening. Uh, we're going to have a lot of boxing at the end of the show. I'm going to give my thoughts on UFC. Obviously, uh, our co-host Cody is not here. Uh, he had his, uh, first loss in the UFC, but I, I have some tough op- loss, but optimistic you know, thoughts you know, that we will and, address at the and, end. And like I told, you know, and I, and when Cody wrote that great Facebook message and I responded to it, you know, and I, and I, I, I said, and I truly believe no true champion <coughs> Mayweather, <coughs> goes his entire career without losing. You can't, if you've never lost, it means you've never actually challenged yourself and put yourself in a position where there's a possibility you could lose. Every champion, every champion. I mean, think of the greats. Think of Ali. Think of Tyson. Think of uh, Klitschko. Think of 
uh, Rocky Marciano, Joe Lewis. Like, these are all people that were true and utter champions. They all have losses. Right. A loss doesn't mean anything except that you challenged yourself and you did not back down from a, an actual fight. Right. Uh, big. Big boxing weekend, though, so we're going to start off with boxing and probably fit in a lot of little interviews here and there. But uh, this is the second go-round for Saul, Canelo Alvarez, and uh, Gennady Golovkin. <laughs> you know what's funny? I did not know that was happening until I printed up the uh, the the list for the uh, What's on Tap. Not a lot of hype. There's no, and that's exactly what it is. I have not seen anything about it. Like, before, like... Right now is one of the very rare times in the last several years where I've actually watched live TV where there's like commercials and stuff. And I have not seen anything for this fight. Also on a lot of like my online, you know, I watch like a lot of online vids or whatever. And a lot of times you'll get like the promotional videos. I have not seen a single promotional video either. Right. It's almost like they're like... It's almost like nobody wants to know it's it's going on. Yeah, so you you got the diehards that that know it's going on and and aren't that excited for it anyways and we'll get into that. But then you got the not as diehard boxing fans that are, are suffering from what I have now called a Mayweather hangover in which you know you're 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 kind of reaching out for that next pay-per-view star and you know with the Canelo the canceling of the fight uh, Canelo testing, um, whether it was tainted beef or whatever. And, uh, you know, the glove can fight what you, what you have here now is just like a media mess, but it's going to happen. I'm hoping for a good fight. Um, well, I mean, no draw. I was going to say, but I mean, we, so everything is clear as long as they make weight, right? Yeah, it's okay. it's a go for sure. Okay, and, uh, I'm saying we're not we're not waiting on the results of like a drug test. Oh or no, no, like no, that. No, okay, no, no. they they they've been tested the whole tr- uh, camp. Okay, um, but I was going to give my uh, bold prediction here. We're going to go big or go home. Okay, uh, let's see if I agree with you. <laughs> well, there's not many people that would agree with this, so I uh, I'm going to go Canelo winning by knockout, shocking the world. Really. Uh, nine or less, and really, yeah, I just see. I it can happen. I actually agree with you, but I disagree on the. Uh, I think it's Canelo by split decision. Okay. Yeah, and I and I and I the reason that I say that is because I don't think Canelo is going to knock out Glovkin, but I think there will be. It, I I think it'll go the distance. I think he'll just be just a little bit more. And I think uh, that if it does go to decision, it will be a split decision, not a unanimous decision. Right. Uh, And I mean, I have no uh, scientific uh, proof out there to suggest that Triple G can get knocked out there. There is nothing out there. But what makes a great prediction is that. You just got a feeling. I yeah. like that these guys freaking hate beef. each other. It's the beef. That's what it's going to be. <laughs> uh, I like that these guys hate each other. Yeah. Um, at least that adds a dynamic to it. I do think Canelo's in his prime. I think Triple G, his his best fighting days are probably behind him. And I think he's still got a couple years. Right. But, I mean, you know, you, you got somebody that's absolutely in their prime. 
Yeah. And uh, Canelo, um, whether he's smaller, whether he's bigger, all, all these things, I, I think what we're, we're going to have is a situation in which um, you're, you're going to see me, the best Canelo Alvarez throughout his career. And if not, if I am totally wrong on my prediction and Triple G wins by knockout, wins by majority decision, wins by unanimous decision, maybe Canelo Alvarez wasn't what we thought he would be. And the greats rise to the occasion and beat the people that um, will add to their legacy. And you you, you look down Canelo's uh you know, career, he needs this. And uh, likewise, Triple G needs it. But to what Canelo means to uh, his people, the country of Mexico, um, he needs it more. And so my my, my prediction is just uh, nine or less. Um, maybe okay. catches Triple G. And, you know, there wasn't podcasting back then, but and there was probably not even sports radio shows back then. But, you know, somebody, somebody had probably the drunkenness to say that Buster Douglas would knock out Tyson. And it, it just <laughs> rare things do happen. Yeah. No. And, and that's, you know, on any given whatever day they're fighting, a puncher always has a puncher's chance. You know right. what I'm saying? It, right. it, and it, stranger things have happened. Stranger things have happened. But I just, I, yeah. I mean, I, if 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 it happens, I'm not gonna like ooh conspiracy ooh you know, but uh, at the same time, I don't I just don't think I yeah I I think it's gonna go decision. I think it's gonna be be split decision. And how many and then and, and, and our, all of our predictions. What's my uh, what's my percentage? What's yours? You're doing better. I'm this just year. I'm just saying. Uh, I'm I saying. can't remember. You're you're way ahead, <laughs> but. I feel, I but I, like you said, go big or go home. This you know? is this yeah. is it. I mean, I I just I've, I've done a lot of uh, I, I guess non undercard work for this uh, this fight card, and um, it's just you know why. I mean, the safe decisions Canelo by decision, uh, or, or the safe predictions Canelo by decision, or or a draw or something stupid. I'm just I'm gonna go big and. Uh, you know, having interviewed Canelo, uh, having been around Canelo, especially during the the Mayweather stuff, um, you know, if not now, when? And so right. that that's you know just kind of well, no scientific reasoning. Let me ask you this then. All right, so uh, Canelo wins. What happens with him, and what happens with Triple G? <clears throat> Canelo loses. What happens with him? What happens with Triple G? Where do they go from here? Well, see, I, I think that Canelo would never give Triple G. So if if it happens the way I predict, there's uh-huh. no way that Canelo is ever going to give Triple G another payday. Okay. Um, and Triple G might not give Canelo a payday if he wins. Right. I, I really think that this is a two fight thing. So I am hoping for a definitive winner. Right. If Canelo doesn't win, I hope Triple G pulls away. And if if uh, tri- you know Canelo wins, I hope he wins dominant too. So. I want a decisive, decisive winner. Right. Um, if, uh, if Canelo wins, I think you see him kind of pick around some of the bigger guys in his weight class where Triple G is on a much smaller clock and maybe then becomes a pay-per-view star, maybe then becomes 
the face of a boxing network. And what you would have him do is probably line them up and just try to fight as many as possible. And, you know, at that point, if, if you beat Canelo Alvarez, there's no reason to think that there's a quicker boxer out there. There might be bigger and there might be uh, more powerful, but I think that that's what will happen. I think Canelo will, will strategically pick his uh, opponents over a year. And I think triple G would probably pick up the pace. Okay. And who do you think Canelo's next target would be? Same with uh, Triple G. God, I don't even know. Okay, uh, I'm just just curious if you had an idea. Like, obviously they would fight this person, or obviously they would fight that person, or right. Well, you know. there's going to be some changes that we're going to talk about after this fight week uh, to the ABC with weights and stuff okay. and rehydration, and uh-huh. the, these these will change uh, title fights about you know, where, where Canelo would actually be a true, true weight wise. And that changes everything. And it changes a lot for a lot of those people in those kind of weight classes also. So, um, you know, this, the sport's going to change in the next few years. Uh, you know, weight cuts now is the fad that everyone talks about. Everybody emails me about, and people are fascinated with weight cuts and, uh, you're going to look at these boxing organizations and these, uh, these people, uh, boxing organizations really clamp down on it and really start monitoring it. Um, the UFC, I didn't want to get into the UFC just yet, but clearly their co-main event, uh, because of a weight cutting issue was canceled. Yeah. I saw um, that. you know, uh, there's just going to be a cap the next day. You're going to have to weigh in. You're going to have to be within a 10 pound the day after so after that weigh in you can try to pound it but it's just going to curb the uh 24 hour kind of right reinflating no i i i get i mean i the 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 are you dinging by the way check, yeah check yeah phones. there's there's tons of people okay i just because i know we're waiting on some guests i want to make sure they're not trying to get a hold of you um but yeah it uh, weight, weight cutting has always fascinated me on exactly how low and how high a fighter can get on a weight cut, especially if they're doing the weigh-ins the day before. I know, uh, like, I mean, back, I, I don't, I hate saying back in my day, but you know, a decade or so ago when I was doing it and I only did the three fights, but, um, they, they did the weigh-in the day before, uh, I'm sorry, they did the weigh-ins, uh, the day of. So you had to basically, uh, you could get within a couple of pounds down but like you would weigh in in the morning and then you would fight uh, that afternoon, that evening or whatever. So the rehydration, you know, you could maybe get five, six, seven pounds. The most I ever saw was a guy that uh, weighed in and he blew up to about 10 pounds just by eating and rehydrating and, and all that kind of and stuff. And 10's like not a lot. And 10's, and 10's not a lot. But I mean, and, and but like I know guys that, uh, you know, they cut down 20, 30 pounds oh, and, yeah. then, and then the next day they're back up to their walking weight. Correct. And it's crazy that 20, 30 pounds can be gained in in a matter of 24 hours yeah, you know it just it blows my mind so i'm actually kind of i kind of like the the new rule where you got to be within about 10 pounds because that forces you to to be in in you either have to be at your walking weight all the time 
or you have to go up in a weight class, which is going to change a lot of fighters. Mm-hmm. There are going to be a lot of fighters that just can't hang in their actual weight class. But because they were good at dropping weight, which is not healthy at all, it is, and that's that's exactly. I don't know if you read the 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 thing, but the the fighter in the co-main event, the reason uh, she couldn't make weight is because her kidneys shut down, which will happen when you which, dehydrate yourself. Exactly, you it is so. Fluid. It is so, and that's something that I've said, you know, time and time again. This weight cutting that fighters do is so unhealthy to the human body. That I, for a while now, I've been saying that there need to be better regulations. There need to be better rules about weight cutting so that you can't drop 30 pounds from your actual walking weight. All right. You know, you, you got to stay healthy, man. You got to stay healthy. High level too, UFC. Oh, I, and, and I'm not, I'm not just saying, but that's the problem. No, is, I, I'm saying so, yeah. so then you have a kid that's doing it on a local show yeah. and not getting the medical attention yes. that the UFC fighters and that's have. That's so dangerous. Dangerous, um, so dangerous. But they think that's what they have to do because you know they walk at one seventy five, but they want to fight at you know one thirty five or one forty five or whatever. You know, correct. And they're like, well, yeah, that's what uh, the the fighters in the UFC and I'll do. So I'll do the same thing. But yeah, they're not getting the medical attention. They're not getting the constant you know i highly doubt they're being checked by a doctor like on a daily basis to make sure they're doing okay you know and everybody has their own method and and how to do it and there's there's secrets of the people that that i know that do it really well that i i have sworn to secrecy and and they they get it down and you know it's a lot easier and then i've i've know a lot of people that really struggle with the weight cut and then fight week is hell for them I know uh, no. uh, on the Ultimate Fighter ABC, she had a uh, trouble making weight uh, in one of her fights because you know you you push your body that much and it just you can only do I that. Thought she made weight. I thought no, no, she opponent. did. No, no, she did. But but when they did the first weigh in, run in together with me, huh? They'll run in together no, no, with no. me. So what had happened on the show, and I remember this vividly, uh, when they did weigh in in the morning, she wasn't at weight. So she had so many hours to get down to weight and they were doing like everything they could possibly do to lose that like one, two pounds or whatever. And she did make it. She did make it. But uh, but it was very tough because she just, you know, you she had dropped weight. And then a week later, she's fighting again. She's got to drop that weight, you know, but she ballooned up. So now she's got to bring it back down again. And that yo-yo is just, oh, that's so tough, you know. Yeah, I mean, you you got, uh, you know, a situation in which, uh, you know, I, I think that knockouts occur a little bit more because of the dehydration process. Oh, I, I mean, look at Aldo. Right. Look at what happened with Aldo. I um, mean, one little tap by McGregor and he went down because right. of dehydration. Yeah, so I think you got lots of situations in which... Uh, Coming and I, I got to research this. It was sent to me, and I, I didn't have time because of what's happening with Canelo and Triple G. But we'll tackle it next week about some of the changes that uh, you know the ABC might be bringing. Uh, speaking of which, really quick before we transition um, to what <laughs> we're, we're gonna, we got lots of guests on their way and kind of lost out in Detroit, and Rochelle's trying to wrangle them up, right? But. Uh, I am one episode into the Ultimate Fighter with Josh Parisian. He didn't have a lot 
of time. I, I don't tell me what happens. Episode two. Is I my, honestly haven't seen the Parisian uh, ones yet. Yeah. So the first one, um, he has a funny li- quote. You know, we've had his girlfriend in the studio I love, too. I mean, they're great. Where he's like, actually, like the you know the biggest concern is my girlfriend. You know, they're they're sharing the house with uh, other women, and you know, in Parisian. Uh, has not fought yet, but we will be covering it much more. I got to tackle episode two, catch up, and uh, I just tell people not to tell me what's going on and, and try to avoid the the clickbait that just keeps coming up over and over and over. <laughs> uh, you know, once once are you um, watching it online? No, it's just like um, I don't know. You don't have an iPhone, but or do you have an iPhone? I do. It's, I am so you very ser- anti Apple. So you search UFC, you search MMA, and right. you, uh, so then it just it then suggests articles for you. Oh, yeah, and it yeah, knows yeah. That your proximity. On too, yeah. And um, yeah, so I'll see something. I'll quickly get out of it. I'll be like, okay, I'm, I got to get out of this and and try to refocus and everything like that. Uh, while we're waiting for our guests, we might as well go through what happened also in 1986. All right. So let's do let's do uh, 1986. All right. So here are some major things that happened in 1986. Uh, in 1986, bovine spongiform encephalopathy, BSE, commonly known as mad cow disease, hits the UK cattle and causes a major reform in farming practices. Iran-Contra affair becomes public. Following a number of trouble-free years in space exploration, the space shuttle Challenger explodes shortly after takeoff watched by people live on TV around the world. I actually remember watching that in uh, school because our speech teacher in my elementary school, who I had, um, she was actually one of the runners-up to go on the shuttle mission. So we, yeah. So like when it happened, like everybody just looked at her. Unlucky, lucky. Unlucky, lucky. Right. Um, But yeah, I I vividly remember that. Uh, The Internet Mail Access Protocol defined, which opens the way for email. The same year, 1986, the Human Genome Project is launched to understand the human makeup. Um, The worst ever nuclear disaster occurs as the Chernobyl nuclear power station explodes, causing the release of radioactive materials across much of Europe. That'll be a good land to buy in 3,500. Yeah. Uh, You get back to me on that one. Uh, Average cost of a new house, $89,000. Average income per year, $22,400. A gallon of gas, take a guess. Uh, $1.15. $0.89. Wow. Uh, Casio portable color television. How much do you think? The, the uh, palm, the palm. Yeah, palm? Little, little color palm. Seven ninety nine. Two forty nine. Oh, really? Yeah, that's actually a good deal. So those were the ones with the antennas yep, that you watched. Yep. Uh, a Tandy six hundred portable computer. How much? Oh, was that like top of the line? Uh, it was one. It was about. High of the middle road. $2,499. Uh, $1,599. Damn, I'm high. I'm yeah. overbidding. Uh, let's see. Also, in 1986, the Oprah Winfrey Show debuts nationally. Yeah. Uh, the USSR uh, uh, has the first Goodwill Games, which I didn't actually know this, but it was created by Ted Turner. Ted oh, Turner. T- TNT. Yeah, uh, created the first good uh, Goodwill Games. Uh, Haley's Comet makes its pass. I, uh... Uh, Hands Across America, the charity event, is held. 
Phantom of the Opera, the stage musical, debuts in London's West End. Nice. By Phantom by Phone. Now, I don't remember the phone number. I'll sorry, remember for the Pantages Theater. In Toronto. In Toronto. By Phantom by Phone. Um, the Mir Space Station. The Soviet launches the Mir Space Station in 1986. Uh, let's see. What else here? Sorry, I got to flip through a couple of pages. Uh, okay. When was your birthday again? Uh, September 3rd. September 3rd. Your birthday was a Wednesday. My birthday was a Saturday. And what is Rochelle's? November 6th. November 6th. Her birthday was a Thursday. Okay. Now on to Nothing some... happened on those days. <laughs> uh, now on to some toys. Uh, 1986, a Nintendo Entertainment System. How much was it? Uh, uh, $199. $90. Damn. An Omnibot 2000. How much was that? Uh, $900. $500. I'm overbidding so bad. <laughs> My buddy and kid sister, how much? I bid a dollar, Bob. I'm so over. <laughs> uh, $75. <laughs> 30 bucks. Damn. Gem Star Stage. Uh, 30 bucks. 50 bucks. All You're right. low on that one. Finally. Uh, Watchimals. What are those? Uh, they were little tiny animals that just, I guess, did shit. I okay, don't know. Uh, 12 bucks. Uh, 8 99 Damn. A She-Ra costume. She-Ra costume. Were they the plastic ones or real costume? Uh, uh, it looks like uh, pretty much all plastic. Uh, that had to be 10 bucks. Uh, it was 14 bucks. All right. Uh, Popple's Playhouse. Uh, I don't even know what it is. I'm going to say 25 Uh, 17 Damn. Chuck Norris action figures. Ooh, uh, $7.99. Uh, thir- or $12.99. And Thunder. Thunder. Thundercats costume. Um, 12. Yep. $11.99. Damn, nice. All right. Uh, again, in 1986, the Iran-Contra affair, President Ronald Reagan and his, blah, blah, blah. President Ronald Reagan's administration sold arms to Iran to avow to an avowed enemy. At the time, Americans were being held hostage in Lebanon by Hezbollah, a militant Shia organization loyal to Ayatollah Khomeini. Also in 1986, Mike Tyson becomes the youngest heavyweight champion in history. Uh, let's see. In the Globe, uh, the U.S. bombs Libya uh, in protest of Libyan sponsorship of terrorist organizations involved in the bomb exploded in the crowded La Belle Disco in Berlin, Germany. Uh, the US, U.S. USSR arms talks between Reagan and Gorbachev leads to commitment to disarm, thus ending a long period of instability caused by the Cold War. Um, Let's see. Oh, uh, Perestroika, Gorbachev steps up reform program and Russia introducing Perestroika, restructuring and Glasnost, openness. All right. Popular culture, 1986. Popular films in 1986. Top Gun. Danger Zone. That's a good movie. Uh, Crocodile Dundee. Platoon. The Karate Kid Part 2. Star Trek Four: The Voyage Home. That's the one with the whales. Yes. Uh, aliens, get away from her, you bitch. Also, one of the greatest lines in cinema history. Go back out there. I don't know if you're keeping score, but we just got our asses kicked. Call <laughs> me out, man. Game over, man. Game over. Uh, ruthless People, The Color of Money, and The Money Pit. Popular musicians in 1986, Billy Joel. 
Culture Club. Robert Palmer, Lionel Richie, Van Halen, The Police, The Pretenders, Genesis, The Bengals with Walk Like an Egyptian. Uh, Every member of that band was hot. (laughs) Madonna with Papa Don't Preach, Prince, Culture Club, Bruce Springsteen, and the Pet Shop Boys. Popular TV programs, Magnum P.I., Dynasty, Cheers, Family Ties, The A-Team, The Cosby Show, Growing Pains, The Twilight Zone. Also born in 1986, Amelia Clark, Lady Gaga, and Usain Bolt. Uh, in technology, IBM unveils the PC convertible, the very first laptop computer. British surgeons perform the world's first triple bi- or triple transplant, heart, lungs, and liver. Uh, we already talked about the email. The 386 series of microprocessor is induced by, introduced by Intel, and the Human Genome Project launched with the object to understand the human genome and therefore provide the continuing progress of medicine. It was announced in 2000 to be completed by Bill Clinton and Tony Blair. And that's basically a lot of stuff that happened in 1986. It's weird, though. Uh you know, so we're covering 1986, and you said where you were with the Challenger. Yeah. Uh, I, we, I, I know we've covered probably twice, but I was home uh, sick with my grandmother that day, and then I, you remember where you are. And oh, yeah. likewise, yeah. today oh. is September 11th. Yes. And that's another day that you'll <sighs> always remember. I was in college, and I had a professor that did not cancel. Every, every class was canceling, uh, and then I had one professor that, that – continued on and then the rest of the day was canceled but uh you'll always remember that's kind of you know the 96 the challenger thing so yeah same thing so uh 9-11 uh i was i had just several months beforehand got married to my first ex-wife um and uh we were living in uh living in waterford and i was going to school at oakland and i was also working in dearborn and yeah same thing i went to so i'm driving uh, i woke up i turned on the tv and i saw after the first plane hit and they were talking about a plane hit the world trade center i remember thinking to myself you know how bad of a pilot do you have to be to run into the world trade center it's one of the tallest buildings in new york you know because nobody knew anything at this point right I get in my car and I'm driving and uh, to Oakland, and uh, at the time I was listening to Howard Stern on the radio, and that's when the second plane hit. And then it became we were under attack. Then it became the Pentagon got hit. By the time I got to to school, it was right after the Pentagon got hit, and all these news stories were were coming out. We had class, and the teacher asked, do you guys want to still have class? And we're like, yes, we need a distraction. So we had class. And we let out about halfway through because nobody could freaking concentrate. And we all went to uh, the student center where they had a huge TV, and we watched. And when I got there is when I found out about United Flight uh, 93. And as we were standing there watching like the footage is when the towers fell. And everybody watched the towers fall. And it was a very weird kind of, and then I, I left there and I went because my wife at the time was going to school at Henry Ford and I also worked in Dearborn. So I drove into Dearborn to be with her, but then also to check in with work and just kind of see what was going on. I worked in theater. And um, the, the one thing that I will remember 
the the eeriest thing that I remember from that day is if you've ever lived in Dearborn, you know that the sound of planes is a constant, constant sound. Mm-hmm. It's something that you don't even think of anymore. You just you always hear planes. It is a constant sound. There was not a plane in the sky. Right. That was the eeriest thing for me about that day was not hearing or seeing a single plane in the sky. Mm-hmm. And it was just bizarre. It was just bizarre. But it was also weird because, you know, Dearborn has one of the highest Muslim populations outside of the Middle East. And so there was this weird kind of tension in Dearborn at the time. Like, you know, there there were people that wanted to lash out and then there were people that were defending. And then they were. But I I will remember vividly, I I met up with a friend of mine who, who was Muslim and he just looked at me with tears in his eyes and he said, this is not us. Right. This is not us, you know, as reports were, you know, coming out or whatever. And I'm like, dude, I know, I know it's not you. I know it's nobody that you would even associate with. And it was just this weird kind of, you know, it was was weird. It was weird that whole day. And, and for several, several days afterwards, you know, longer than that. Well, I'm just saying, but like in that, in that kind of, because, uh, uh, that kind of, tension that kind of interactions you know everything changed you know yeah so uh u of m was supposed to play uh eastern michigan that week and then uh that happened uh so they pushed it back there was a bye week and u of m then played uh eastern michigan uh a week later and if you're not familiar university of michigan um produces those programs way in advance and i still have the program from that uh the first uh, game after 9-11. And why it's kind of significant is that, you know, University of Michigan was always like, you know, this is the anywhere in the world right now, this is the most sports fans in one place watching a sporting event. And so I remember the program, they put like an insert around it. Um, It has students with like a candlelight visual. I still have the program somewhere. And then uh, you're, you're, Airplanes were no longer allowed to be flown over Michigan mm-hmm. Stadium, which before that it was all these banners. Mm-hmm. And it was just getting back to trying to get normal and yeah. fitting 100,000 people in a stadium and hoping, you know, you know, nothing like that um, would ever happen at something like that. But we got to go to our first guest. We got to start picking up the pace here. Um but you know what we uh you know just to transition here uh 911 i i think unlike pearl harbor day will i think because of the way it happened in technology of where everybody you still see it and it still gives you chills like the planes flying oh, in I, I i think that where Pearl Harbor Day has like kind of like, yeah, it's Pearl Harbor Day. You know, not only is it our generation's Pearl Harbor Day, but I think that we will never forget on that. And it should be a holiday, actually. No. You don't think of Remembrance Day where everything's closed? But no, no, I don't because you make it, and this is why, because if you make it a national holiday, then you're, you're, you're going against what we... I could see that point. But what I'm saying is, you know, I don't want 
9-11 to end up being a day that you go to like the beach or oh yeah you know what i'm saying like it 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 just like i can see like uh you know uh, never forget but making it a national holiday where like schools are closed and no you the the whole point of 9-11 is we we won't let you deter us it will be business as normal and also, I mean, you know, you make a national holiday in 50 years, somebody is making a freaking mattress sale for 9-11. You know what I'm saying? In, yeah. in 50 years' time, once a lot of time has passed. I agree. And you, I, I don't think that should you, happen. You've out, you've uh, argued where I've changed my view. <laughs> I, I, and, and that's I, why. I didn't look and that's at why. It that yeah, and that's why. No, I mean, you, yeah. you bring up good points, so I, I say it shouldn't be now, yeah, actually. <laughs> Uh, this weekend though, if you want a warm up act and a great warm up act to get you in the boxing mood for Triple G and uh, Canelo, uh, we got a local show happening here. Second to None Promotions and Top Breed uh, is going to have the best of tomorrow five. It's happening at the DiCarlo's Banquet and Convention Center. Uh, if you're not familiar with that, that's located in Warren, Michigan. Tickets are still available. Uh, you can get a ticket for ringside seventy five dollars or thirty five. It's a good way to kick off a great boxing week and go see live and then go uh, get the pay-per-view. But our first guest is going to be one of my favorite uh, local boxers here. His name's Robert Sims, and we're going to be calling him. He's got a fight against Mar- uh, Marquise uh, Valentine. Hello? Hey, Robert, you're live on the air with the undercard. Hey, Ray, how you doing? Good. We are joined by Robert Sims. Uh, you can introduce yourself a lot better than uh, I can. I'm just a fan uh, of watching you, even though I'm media. You know, I I, I enjoy you. Uh, you, you. You come in there and you're ready to fight. You're uh, in shape. Uh, so uh, oh, tell well. us a little bit about yourself. Oh, well, hello, everybody. I'm Robert Sims. Well, Sizzle Sims. Welcome myself. Uh, 7-2 professional heavyweight boxer. How y'all doing? All right. Uh, if you're not familiar with Robert, uh, he, he's gone to battle with a lot of uh, uh, local people, uh, but he has also taken his talents on the road. Um, you know, uh, tremendous cardio, tremendous oh, yeah. uh, tremendous fighter to, to watch, and, and you know what? Always willing to battle uh, anyone, which is, is tough to get when people are coming up the ranks. Um, you got a tough battle though here against uh, Marquise Valentine, uh, a guy that I believe I've seen in Toledo, or maybe it was somewhere local. They kind of all run together. Uh, tell us a little bit about your opponent and uh, what this fight means for you on Friday. Oh, it means a lot. It's gonna, you know, take me up a little more. You know, it's going It's a real tough fight. It's a fight that on paper I should win, but this is a tough opponent. He's been in the ring with some really good fighters. You know, he's got some, you know, decent wins on his on, on his record. And he's going to be a tough fight. It's somebody I can't overlook. You know, I'm in a position where normally sometimes people look at me as an underdog. But this time I'm going in as a favorite. So I can't, you know, retract what I'm doing to lower my level. I have to stay on, on top. Now, as people are coming up in boxing, they're, they're so concerned about their, their zero or so concerned about getting that first loss. You, you had a couple losses, one, one where maybe you didn't lose. Uh, you know, when when that gets done and you have a, a couple losses and you can really focus on it, I mean, let, let's not forget Muhammad Ali had losses. Manny Pacquiao, before he found Freddie Roach, had losses. Right. Tell us a little bit, is it kind of like almost a relief? Like, hey, that's out of the way, and now I can just kind of relax a little bit? 
Yeah, it was. I mean, at first I did think, you know, going into the start of my career, that was the main thing, you know, Floyd Mayweather and put everybody in a position where if you, you know, you lose a fight, you feel like your career over. But once I got that loss and I knew, you know, I seen the reaction from everybody that I really didn't lose that fight to Craig Lewis. I seen that it wasn't the time for me to stop. I had to keep pushing and pushing because it still was, you know, people still want to see me. You know, I still was relevant. So I kept going. And even when I lost, to, uh, I can't think of his name right now. Which, which both fights, I didn't think I lost at all. And I still got feedback on both of those from a lot of people that I didn't lose. But once I lost those fights, you know, I just kept it going. And then it got a time there where I knew I was going to have to fight tougher opponents because I was, you know, with my record, you know, people was going to be wanting to fight me now. So yeah. I had to keep pushing. And that's a point that we bring up a lot of times on the show is that you actually become, so it's so difficult for fighters to get fights coming up. You get yeah. that, you get that loss, and then all of a sudden your phone's off the hook, you know, and and people oh, yeah. are, people are calling a lot more. So now your opportunities are, are a lot better too. Oh yeah, especially with this last fight I just took with the uh, guy uh, Kusumano. A lot of people, you know, even going down there, you know, where we were at, everybody was like, yeah, you know, you're going to get walked out of the ring probably in the first round. You know, a lot of people thought, but I knew by watching film on him and stuff like that that I can turn them. I can move him. As long as I stayed away out of his punches for the first, you know, two or three rounds, I'd be able to take him apart. So, you know, the opportunities keep coming because people now look at you as like maybe either easy win or opportunity to build a record off, you know, the fact that you may have had a decent name before and trying to take you out now. The thing I absolutely uh, love about you, though, is that you have until somebody sees you, then they never make the mistake again. Uh, You you (laughs) got quick hands. Uh, you okay. are you are a quick heavyweight, and I know you got yeah. aspirations of maybe moving down to cruiserweight. But uh, hand speed is it something you've always had? What what kind of sports did you play growing up? Uh, hand eye coordination. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, I was just saying incredible hand and eye coordination for a heavyweight coming up. Uh, but very elusive speed. Oh yeah, in high well in high school coming up through high school, a lot of people want to know. I played receiver and point guard in high school, so. As far as I was a lot smaller, and then I got bigger, you know, as I got, you know, when I got older, you know, I really wasn't in the sports that much no more. So I kind of allowed myself to get bigger, but I still had the quick reactions and stuff when it came to my hand speed. I got a lot of steals in high school and made a lot of catches in high school. So I always had good, you know, hand-eye coordination. Now, you talked about being an athlete in high school. When when did boxing come into your life? Was it something that you, you kind of grew up and watched, or, or how were you introduced to boxing? <laughs> Crazy story. I, just, I, I had uh, I started getting really big, and my cousin, his name is Lorenzo Reynolds. He was a two-time Golden Glove champion. He was an undefeated professional. All my family said, if you, know, if you don't lose some weight, you could just go work out with him. So I started getting with him and started working out and you know working on boxing techniques. I never even thought about boxing and he asked me to do I want to uh finally do a fight and I got into the golden gloves and I won it my first time so after that I was like maybe this is something I can do now uh, you're you're talking about it as is you were getting into it for fitness goals if you don't mind me asking how how big did you get and was it something that you realized that you know I got to make a lifestyle change too or was it kind of forced upon you yeah, it was a it was a lifestyle change. I, I pretty much I had probably was walking around about like three ten. Like I wasn't doing anything anymore. I was just at home eating and enjoying life. <laughs> right. And I just I saw myself in a. I think it was a picture I took of myself one day, and I saw it. And I'm like, you know what? This is getting out of control. Not only was I feeling, I got to see how big I was. So it was it was a little bit different than just uh, 
you know, chilling. Now, so that, that, that I, got me to change some stuff up. And I, I'm still going to this day. I'm still working on stuff to this day. I, I, I do that every day. I look at myself in the mirror and go, God damn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel so you. I, even used I to feel you. That's what I'm saying. People that made clothes, and I used to say that, uh, well, this brand makes, they size, they clothes are smaller, so I got to get them bigger sizes. All right. <laughs> so t- tell us, as you're beginning your boxing career, and once again, uh, he's fighting at Carlos Banquet Center. It's second to none mm-hmm. promotions. Tickets are available still. Uh, the address for it is actually 6015 East 10 Mile. Uh, road. They throw good shows. Uh, you're, so your body's so deconditioned. Like, tell us that first few workouts you had in boxing. Like, how quick did you get gassed? And uh, because there's no sport like boxing when it comes to cardio. You know, you, you, people oh, yeah, are like, yeah. I can do three three minute rounds. They get in there, and that's yeah. the longest three minutes. How, how deconditioned were you, and how long did it take to uh, start seeing progress? It probably took about a good month and a half before I started seeing any like real progress with a little bit in the body changes. But as far as my, uh, like you said, my conditioning, because the first couple of days, you know, I'm in a gym, you know, in the gym, you learn how to, you know, do this boxing steps. You know, you touching the bag a little bit. But the first time I got on the mitts, <laughs> and they were steady coming and coming, and I'm like, oh, I still got to keep punching. It's been like a, you know, thirty seconds, and I couldn't breathe. <laughs> You're like two, two and a half to go. different. Yeah, you're like, oh man, I've been doing this for three minutes. They're like, all right, you got two minutes and thirty seconds left. You're just like, I hate yeah. my life. I hate my life right and my now. First, and my first time sparring was like that. My first time sparring, I'm I'm sparring, and it's, I'm looking up at the clock. I'm like, it's only been like fifteen seconds, and this guy's still here, <laughs> and, he, and he ain't going nowhere. And it's like, no matter what punch I threw, I got countered. Yeah. Or if I didn't punch, I got hit. So it's like, yeah, I don't know if I want to do this, but I kept coming back. <laughs> Now, uh, I'm going to put you on the spot. Uh, after you're enjoying your victory over uh, your opponent on uh, Saturday, there's a big boxing event happening in the world. I don't know if you've heard about it, Canelo versus Triple G. Uh, oh, yeah. I went crazy, and I took Canelo by knockout. And I, there's no scientific reasoning behind it. There's nothing. It's just that, you know what, everyone's saying decision. Who do you think's going to win? And um, are you a fan of any of these fighters? And who, who do you like watching? I'm a big triple G. I'm a big triple G fan because I, I just liked his style. You know, you let you hit him, and he was always there in your face, and you couldn't get rid of him. He just knocked you out. So I always liked his style, even though I don't fight that way. I always liked his style, and I actually thought he won the first fight, but I think they they got kind of smart by holding this fight off for Canelo and letting him get a little older. I think Canelo will probably get him by decision. All right, uh, and like me, are you like me where I don't want it close? Even even as a triple G fan. Don't you want a decisive winner? Do you do you really want it close oh, yeah. where people are just arguing oh, yeah. about wanna, it? I want to just know, like, after I'm done seeing that fight, like, yep, you know, either Canelo won or Triple G won. I mean, my heart's with Triple G, but I think, you know, I think uh, with Canelo's boxing ability and be able to, able to see that for one time already, I think he may be able to make some adjustments to take Triple G out. I think it would be kind of kind of clear. Now walk us through what a heavyweight uh, does during fight week because it's not a, a weight cutting week for you. But you're you're uh, what is we were just talking about weight cuts earlier. As a heavyweight, yeah. what's your fight week look? You're, you're getting experience now, and and obviously healthy foods, rest, how much sparring, right. what's going on? Well, I mean, like during this week, you know, you, you want to keep. Well, for me, I want to keep up on like you know like light meats, like some chickens tuna, my salads, you know, water. I don't. I actually don't drink any juice or anything during this week. 
And as far as my workouts, you know, I'm still, I run a lot of sprints. The long runs we do during a training camp. So now this week I do a lot of my sprints, just shorter workouts, you know, and a lot of quick motions and stuff, getting ready for the actual fight. So we do tune some stuff down, but it's no real weight cutting at this point. It's really just fine tuning at this point. Awesome. And I, I mean, that's the benefit. And then uh, how soon will we see oh, you yeah. at Cruiserweight? <laughs> <laughs> how soon will we see you at Cruiserweight, you think? I know that is a goal that since I've met you, you said, I remember walking up to you and, and I, I said, you know what, you, you, you're exciting heavyweight. And you're like, I'm a Cruiserweight. Yeah. I'm going to get there. Yeah. This next fight. All right. This next fight, I'm going to be a Cruiserweight. I mean, I kept getting good opportunities at heavyweight or, or out of Benwent. Like that last fight, that was a big opportunity for me to get my ranking back up. So I took that at heavyweight and then took that one. But this next fight, we're going down to cruiserweight for sure. I just, you know, I, you know, I talked to Kenny about, you know, at the last show and, you know, after I beat Curtis, you know, it was kind of on the line for me to fight a guy from Ohio. So, <laughs> you know, I, I, I stayed at heavyweight for this fight, but I'm definitely going down because, you know, I, I don't want to, eventually the skills is going to match up, you know, to the height and weight. So there's going to be some bigger guys with better skills higher up. And I mean, I'm just doing the math. I, I can compete, but. I just want to make sure I'm on a level playing field as far as my height and size. All right. Well, if people want to follow you on social media, uh, first off, Robert Sims, having talked with him, covered him, wrote about him a million times, one of the nice guys mm-hmm. in the sport, someone you can look up to. Where can they follow you if they're interested in your career, Robert? Well, I'm strictly Robert Sims on Facebook. That's just my, my, my regular name, Robert Sims, on Facebook. I'm Rob Sizzle331 at uh, Twitter and Rob says it 331 on Instagram. All right, Robert. Best of luck to you this weekend. Once again, it's happening at DeCarlos Banquet Center this Friday, uh, the 14th. Uh, best of luck to you. Second to none promotions. Take care, buddy, and we'll see you. Oh, yeah. Thank you for having me on. We're about to put on the show, baby. All right. <laughs> that is Robert Sims. Uh, very amazing hand speed for someone his size. Uh, as yeah, he... I, I, when I was looking, when I was trying to find him for, for an image or whatever, uh, I caught a couple of the, uh, I think it was a Salida promotion, mm-hmm. um, or it might've been a second to none promotion. I'm not sure. But, uh, I, I remember watching like one of these fights. And I'm like, oh yeah, I remember him now. And yeah. Very, very fast for, for, you know, his size. Yeah. And uh, one of the good feel good stories, uh, you know, gets into it for weight loss and is actually pretty decent at boxing. That's and how uh, I started doing MMAs. I joined a dojo to do cardio kickboxing, and they're like, "Hey, why don't you come to the MMA classes too?" And I'm like, "Okay." Yeah, but one of the things that me and Bob Ryder love is that when you look at um, Robert Sims and people that haven't seen him fight. Uh, because he's still in the weight loss process, mm-hmm. uh, you know, people assume out of shape, um, yeah. assume out of shape and, you know, not, not serious with his craft. Yeah. Me and Bob Ryder would, would bet anybody in that audience that like a Robert Sims is going to outlast you cardio wise. Yep. I've never seen him tank it. Yeah. And then B he is a professional yeah. and it, you know, it, it's the looks is deceiving kind of thing, but there's always somebody in the crowd that is like, you know, Oh, oh my God, you know, it, but like, it's just like, I want to take a bet with him. I just want to <laughs> turn around if I could, I can't yeah. as media and just be like 150 yeah. right now. 150 yeah. goes the distance and you know, tell you what, on the show. tell you what, next time that happens, you come get me 
And I'll make the bet on our behalf. Right. It's it's like he ain't going to gas, yep. you know, in uh, any of his opponents that um, maybe have the six packs or are a little bit, you know, uh, healthier looking in yeah. a photo. They'll gas before he does. Oh, yeah. And and car- uh, cardio fitness is a totally different thing. You want to do what's on tap? Yeah, we'll take our first break, tap. and then yep. uh, we're going to try to track down Donnie Reeves and a did, couple other people. Did, did we ever find the uh, audio file for what's on tap? Oh, good. I can Ooh, hear it. She's got the hoodie on. What? Hoodie on. She looks like she's about to tear somebody down she right looks, now. She looks like E.T. <laughs> oh, I'm just freaking cold. Oh, okay. All right. What's on tap? Uh, tonight at Tokyo... We have Takuya Ino versus Mark John Yop. Uh, it's 12 rounds for the WBC Bantamweight Eliminator. On September 13th in Las Vegas on ESPN2 and ESPN Deportes, we have uh, Marcella Corneo versus Franchon Cruz de Zurin. 10 rounds for the vacant uh, women's WBC interim super middleweight title. Uh, September 14th, Fresno, California, also on ESPN, ESPN Deportes. We have Jose Ramirez versus Antonio uh, Orozoco. It's 12 rounds for Ramirez's WBC Junior welterweight title. Uh, Also at Tokyo on September 14th, we have Nayoko Fijukoa versus Irma Sanchez. 10 rounds for Fujioka's WBA Women's flyweight title. September 15th, Las Vegas, HBO, pay-per-view, Triple G, Gennady Golovkin versus Canelo, Saul Alvarez. It's a rematch. 12 rounds for Golovkin's WBA, WBC middleweight title. We also have Hame Manugia versus Brandon Cook. 12 rounds for Manugia's WBO junior middleweight title. That is on the same card. Uh, moving on to MMA, September 14th, we have Tough and Up Fight Night at the or- uh, New Orleans Casino in Las Vegas, Nevada. September 15th, we have UFC Fight Night 136, Hunt versus Oyanik. They're Is Russian. That- yeah, They're Russian, in, right, for yep, this one. in uh, Olympiski Arena, Moscow, Russia. That's a pretty big event. Yeah, and that is... What's on tap? Sponsored by Falling Down Beer Company. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and uh, we will be chase down more people. Chase down some more people, and we will be right back. All right. We're listening to the Undercard Hand Combat Radio. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, so, anyways, uh, covering 1986. So, if you're wondering why the 80s music, there you go. Well, and we also play a lot of 80s mu- oops. We also play a lot of 80s music because uh we're children of the 80s and those are some of our favorite songs. That's why Stranger Things is so good. By the I way, so not good. to get off subject, but there's That's what be makes a- the show good. <laughs> there's our variety. Oh, there's definitely variety. We're all over the place. The uh, Fletch uh Chevy Chase is going to be a part of Stranger Things 3, and Fletch to me is like just an iconic 80s movie. Not Fletch Lives, the first one, Fletch. And uh, to have no, anything... look at Jimmy's face. Look at Jimmy's face. Oh, Fletch is so good. He... I mean... No, you don't understand. Brad, Blake plays the the song from it. Yeah, st- oh, oh, steak sandwich. All the time. Sandwich. Uh, there's so many good one-liners in uh-huh. that. Um, 
Wow. So anyway, Stranger Things, which so is so eighties, uh, is going to have a yeah, little Trevor bit Chase. of a uh, thing. Somebody yeah. just got here and peeked around the corner. That doesn't mean anything. There's yeah, people. people peek in here all the time. Gosh, I seem like a recognized. No, the... no, you didn't. Okay, I didn't recognize. <laughs> I don't know. They, they, I they'd be smart, maybe, and knock on that door. Yeah. I or you. wave, or no. hey, it's me. All right, let's call up Donnie Reeves. He's been on the show before. The kid's got a lot of heart. He is also fighting this weekend, uh, second to none promotions uh, at De Carlos Banquet Center, September 14th. Uh, if you've never done it, go see live boxing the night before and then uh, have your friends over for a pay per view. It's actually a cool weekend. Your Back. writing is horrendous. My writing is bad. I make no apologies for that. No, you should apologize for it. No apologies. Nope. Bad writing is a sign of high intelligence. Thank you. Don't tell him that. (laughs) I'm I'm sticking to that. Hey, is this Donnie? Yes, this is him. All right, Donnie, you're live on the air with the undercard. How you doing, buddy? Pretty good. How about yourself? Good. It's your second time on here. That's awesome, though. Donnie Reeves is fighting this week in second to none promotions. Uh, since we've last talked to you, uh, you, you kind of had a, a little bit of a setback, but you went against a guy that most people didn't think you would you would beat anyways. I kind of thought that you would surprise him with your power, but tell us a little bit about what you've been up to since you last been on the show. Um, since I've last been on the show, just training. I mean, honestly, trying to work out some technical difficulties, trying to get back up on my skill and uh, improve in different areas. I, I did take a setback. I fought Kevin Brunchel, which was 8-0 with seven knockouts. Golden boy now. Him, yeah. And it and it took him uh, into the late rounds to actually stop me. So I feel like I did impress, made more fans in that, in that area. But, uh, I mean, honestly, just working on just bettering myself and my skill. Now, uh, you're, you're so young. I, I just, it doesn't matter your record. I mean, it's just that you, you surprise people with your power. Uh, you come to fight. Uh, are you having fun? I mean, yeah, what are you kind of learning at this stage? Because you are a really young professional. And last time we had you in the show, you told us why you kind of turned pro so young. But you got that power that you can't teach. So, I mean, are you having fun out there even though you got stopped and, and you know, just kind of going with the punches? Yes. Literally yes, and figuratively. I, I love the sport. I'd say boxing brings me more excitement than anything I've ever done in my whole entire life. That's why I do it. And uh, even though I do take a, I mean, I did take a loss, I, I take that with pride. I mean, I'm going to learn everything from, I mean, I'm going to learn something from, you know, every fight. Say if I fight the best in the world, I'm, I'm going to get technique from that. And if I buy, if I go just fighting bums and, you know, nobodies, I'm not going to learn anything because I'm just getting walkovers. And that's, that's not what we want to do. So even if we do lose, I mean, it's it's having fun. It's it's always fun. Now this is your second time back in Michigan and fighting for uh, the same promotional team uh, with second to none promotions. And and so what typically happens is people that support promotions come back and support promotions. Any pressure to put on as good of a show as you did last time because uh, you had a uh, a great showing last time up here. Threw a lot of punches. Uh, play, played the spoiler. Um, is there any nerves, or are you kind of past that phase of nerves? Uh, there's always going to be nerves. I, I heard from a wise man, if you're not nervous, you're not ready. So I, I could be, you know, in the future on TV and one of the biggest boxers in the world, and I'll still be nervous. 
So there's always going to be nerves to bring a good show. Now, but boxing's such a weird sport. Walk us through, because, like, uh, you know, Jimmy over here, our co-host, he, he's in theater, and, you know, there's a curtain time. You kind of get ready for it. But you could have your hands taped, gloved up, and really kind of just kind of waiting for your spot on the fight card. How do you deal with that kind of nervousness? Because all of a sudden they just walk through the door and they're like, you're up and, and you're walking to the corner. It's plain to that, uh, you know, the people that listen on our show, uh, you know, it, it's a different kind of preparation because it's almost like being called in the bullpen. You, you, you do your warm up and then all of a sudden they're, you're in the game. Yeah, definitely. It's a, it's definitely a different feeling. I mean, it's like you're sitting there just waiting to be, you know, declared for war. You're you're waiting to go out and see what you can do. I mean, it is very nerve-wracking, but I kind of keep to myself, try not to talk a lot, stay in my own mind, listen to music, or, you know, just not think about what's going to happen until it actually gets in there. And then after the first bell, the nerves go away. I mean, the, you know, around the bell rings, it's on. So that's where the nerves stop. But before that, it's, it's kind of nerve-wracking, actually very nerve-wracking. But I kind of just, you know... Stay to my own self, listen to music, and uh, just just be prepared in, in my own way. You know, focus on what I'm going to do and how I'm going to perform. We are being joined by Donnie Reeves. Uh, I think you had a nickname since the last time. I don't remember you being called Babyface, but uh, Babyface, he's a super lightweight. Uh, he's fighting at DiCarlos Banquet and Convention Center this Friday, the 14th. Uh, tickets are still available, 75 for ringside, 35 for general admission in Warren, Michigan. Uh, you can also get them. Um, if I remember on the website, I want to give you the proper uh, website here really quick. Uh, do, 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 do. Uh, so if you go to uh, the letter S, the number 2, N, events.com, you can also get tickets. Uh, weigh-in is uh, this Thursday at 2. Uh, how much of a weight cut are you having now? Last time we talked to you, you, you kind of were walking at the fight weight. Um, what are you kind of walking at right now? Uh, I'm, I'm still walking at my fight weight. Oh, man, God, that's breezy. You can have a Big Mac before you get up there. Uh, I wouldn't advise it, but you could, you know? So, uh, And then coming coming on Friday, you're going to be walking at uh, this, uh, the, the fight weight? Yep, walking in on the fight weight, comfortable as ever. Man, see, you just got the shotguns and those gloves, man. You can do that stuff and just be the, the maverick out there, the gunslinger. That's a better nickname for you. I just gave you a better nickname. You're the gunslinger. You just go in there and you, there you go. You Remember that. It would be like the undercard gave you the gunslinger. I'm going to use it in the fight news because that's what you are. I'll, you, de- you, I'll definitely remember that. No, no, that's a cool nickname. Jimmy, cool nickname, gunslinger? Uh, I'm your Huckleberry. Exactly. You want to be known as a gunslinger. I mean, that's cool. Welcome uh, to the gun show. Yeah, welcome <laughs> to the gun sh- gunslinger. Uh, any predictions for this Friday um, by knockout or, or, you know? I mean, honestly, as, as a humble fighter, I, I won't say that I'm going to take anybody out or even that I'm going to take the win. I'm just going to go in humble. Hopefully, hopefully everything works out the way that I I want and I do get the win, but I'm going against uh, you know an, a good opponent. Obviously, one to know, undefeated, so he's got a little bit of talent behind him. So there's there's no way I can tell what's going to happen. Just hopefully, it all works in my favor and I come out with the win. The last time I saw you in person, too, you were all body shots and you you admitted that you wanted to work on your jab. Is that something that you want to incorporate to set up the power shots this time or? Yeah. Um, Definitely. I've been working on my jab and my angles. I've been working on setting up my punches more. Uh, me and my coach actually went over that heavy. 
since the last fight, just jab, jab, angles, and in and out. So you're going to see a little bit of a different fight, but if I, if I can't fight it that way, I'll pick up my old style, and I'll just I'll go ahead and say, you know, take the fight into my hands. All right, Donnie, where can people follow you? Um, and then definitely buy a ticket and see this kid fight on Friday. Uh, a lot of fun and a lot of excitement. As a matter of fact, the commercial that I just got from the promoters, it, it's mostly your highlights in it because you were you were throwing fists last time. Uh, where can they follow you? Uh, on Facebook, Donnie Reeves. On Instagram, Reeves.Donnie. And then on Snapchat, Donnie Reeves 70. All right. And soon to come, thegunslinger.com. Uh, Donnie Reeves, uh, thank you so much for joining us. I'll see you on Friday night to probably get thank a quote from your fight. Absolutely, man. I know you're going to put on a show. You take care, buddy. Uh, have safe traps uh, to Michigan. We'll see you soon. You too. Bye-bye. All right. That is Donnie Reeves, who's uh, doing it up again Friday for Second to None Promotions. Uh, likable kid. Just absolutely. And then... Yeah. Um, I, wish I, I wish I could... <laughs> I could come to the shows, but right now uh, I have a play that opens in the middle of October, which I'm in, and then... All uh, your damn excuses. I know. I have Okay, so this is my schedule right now, right now, all right? Monday night, rehearsal, Neil Simon's Fools. Tuesday night, this. Wednesday night, Fools. Thursday night, Fools. Friday night, Hamlet. Saturday at Concordia, building the sets for Fools until mid-October. Then I'll have a little bit of time. Then we'll be Boar's Head Festival Concordia. Then we jump full bore into Hamlet. Hamlet goes up in February. I mean, it's it's crazy. It's crazy. But if you've never uh, if you've never heard of Fools, I'm I'm sure you've heard of Neil Simon, right? Yes. Okay. So Fools Fight in the Park. Yes, exactly. So Fools is one of Neil Simon's. Uh, the basic premise behind the story is that it's set in the Ukraine in the late 1800s. A school teacher, Leon, uh, comes to uh, a little town in the Ukraine called uh, Kulyanetchikov, and um, uh, he's there to teach the uh, the local doctor's daughter, but when he gets there, he finds out that the entire town is under a two hundred year old curse that makes them no intelligent than a bump on a log. Their nineteen year old daughter has just recently learned how to sit, and everybody is a moron. And as time progresses, and as he sits there, he finds out that not only is everybody uh, an idiot, but he learns that if he can't break the curse in 24 hours, he will become an idiot too. So it's really fun. I play the doctor, Dr. Zubrinsky. Uh, there's a lot of like funny interactions. Dr. Zubrinsky has some of the best lines. It's it's hilarious. So if you uh, follow this show and want to maybe see a play, with myself in it, uh, it's at Concordia in October. Go meet Jimmy. Go get an autograph. And I'm and I'm sure that I'll be talking about it, you know, much more before now. And you get to hear me speak with a Russian accent. I want to hear it right now. Uh, I I'm trying to think. Um, uh, <laughs> so one of the, one of the things uh, the the little uh, the girl uh, Sophia. No, no, no. I just want. I must break you. I must break you. Uh, but it, uh, one of my favorite, one of my favorite lines, Sophia is um, uh, when when Leon asks what she wants to learn, she said she wants to learn languages. And he said, "Sure, what language?" She says, "Rabbit." 
and uh, and Doctor Zabrinsky goes, "Oh yes, rabbit is very very hard language. Nobody speaks it much anymore." And then later on, when they're like, she's teaching her, he goes, "She must be speaking rabbit like a bunny by now." <laughs> I kind of actually found that funny. <laughs> There's a lot of funny. <laughs> One of the things is when he's talking about. Uh, <laughs> Uh, when he's talking about getting intelligent or whatever, he said, when I learned how to open up jars, I have terrible trouble opening up jars. <laughs> I so. just, uh, you know, anything that Avan Drago would have said to well, no, that's, uh, Rocky, see, I know, I know. See, well, no, no. And here's the thing. The accent that I'm doing is actually because in order to speak on a Russian accent, it's very monotonic and this is a comedy, so it doesn't play very well. And also uh, the dialect in Ukraine is slightly different from like a Soviet Russia, uh, you know, Ivan Drago kind of uh, uh, thing or whatever. So the accent is going to be a little bit different than, you know, when you think of like a Russian accent, it's not going to be as uh, low and monotonic. It's going to be a little bit more excitable. Okay, so Rochelle's very right about my handwriting. Here we go, second attempt at something. <laughs> wow! All right, call, 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 call that up. Who are we calling up? Oh, it's a surprise. No, I can't. I I need pictures so you can't surprise me. So I gotta Google search them so I can throw it onto our Go- stream. Go- Google search a picture of the hurricane that's gonna hit. Okay. Okay. If, 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 what category is it? It's cat, category five, I believe. Uh, are you, are you... He's coming on, everybody. You, you hear, hear the storm coming? What are you... Oh, the storm's Write, write it out so I can Google search it. Ah, yeah. uh, yes. Uh, I, I hear some tornado sirens. You guys don't hear it? All right, let's dial them up. God, this is like chicken scratch. Oh, okay. I don't even I, know. I, I hear a, hear the tornado sirens going. Hello? Hey! We are joined by Michael Reiser. Uh, category <laughs> 5 is coming. So uh, not only are we going to talk some MMA, but you can explain to us how bad the Carolinas will never look the same ever again. Uh, oh, they're about to have their faces rearranged. It's going to be horrible. <laughs> no plastic surgeon, not even Dr. Ray. Doc, uh, Dr. 90210, uh, the, Dr. Oh. Ray can fix this shit that's going to happen. I remember... It's not going to be replaceable, I'm telling you. I remember when Hugo hit uh, Myrtle Beach. My dad was still alive. And Myrtle Beach, like... I mean, the the cool thing is Myrtle Beach got a lot nicer after that happened. But, um, you know, it, it's just that I don't know why, but it's just that, you know, maybe because the, the Carolinas don't get as much as Florida, but I, I, I'm just feeling sympathetic for the hurricane uh, people. But ironically, your, your hockey team's named the hurricane, so you kind of got to... <laughs> Kind of got to know it's coming, right? You know, it's kind of like Iowa State hey, Cyclones. It's, it's, it's almost expected, really. I mean, really. <laughs> exactly. You just put a bullseye. You paint a bullseye right there on your state. So uh, I know I know you're more of a tornado chaser, but is it a hurricane hitting like that? Is there any chance that it will produce some uh, activity that you and your team would be interested in? Definitely. Um, right now, Florence is a Category 4 um, hurricane. 
Um, the last advisory at 6 p.m. Um, sustained winds right now at 140 miles an hour. Holy moly. <clears throat> I'm personally expecting Florence to be a Category 5 by 10 p.m. tonight. Um, the landfall you're looking at sometime Friday morning, Friday afternoon, um, Friday early afternoon. Um, as far as what um, flow will, will produce when it comes on the land, flow, uh, hurricanes coming when they, to when they make land. <laughs> we, we've nicknamed her Flow. <laughs> you know, it's just it's a lot easier because she's going to mess the Carolinas up it. like the a girl's first period flow. <laughs> like she's going to wow, she's going to fuck shit wow. up. Dude. You know that you're going to ruin some days. About, just bad thing about Flow is too, it's actually going to stall out over the Carolinas, so it'll hang around for five days. Women are used to that, so that's all we're going to That was a reverse. That, that, that went there. There's going to be some heavy days, some light days. Wow. <laughs> some spotting. Wow. There's going to be some shit. She's a great nickname, but it has nothing in the gunslinger, though. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm jealous. I, know. I, 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 want to, I want a nickname like the gunslinger. He, the kid has uh, it. I mean, he just has this like unbelievable knockout power. What is he? Nineteen or twenty? I mean, he's, he's so young. He's a baby. Uh, but he just so it throws he, like these concrete trade, blocks. He trademark that soon, you know. I know. Oh, uh, yeah, and I, you know what? It it is kind of cool when I give a nickname. I don't do it too often. I probably like five fighters tops. Uh, but my favorite is Little Ball of Hate for Leonardo Tyner because he's just such a mean little mother effer. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I, like uh, if I give a nickname, I, I make it stick. I, I kind of write for a big publication called Fight News, and I will make it stick. Like I, if I'm determined, <laughs> it's gonna happen. Uh, well, let's talk UFC. You're you're a huge fan of UFC. Um, let's start off with our, our co-host and good friend, Cody Stamen. Um, we talked a little bit about it off the air, but I was just going to give my thoughts on it. The great thing about this loss for Cody is it showed he can compete against top 10 talent. Uh, I had him win in the first round. Not only did I have him uh, winning the first uh, round against Sterling, um, I had him closing the distance against an unbelievable reach advantage. I love when Cody yeah. is able like to five take down. Or something? It was more than that. It was like it was yeah, pretty pretty tricky. Yeah. I'll see if I can find it. But um, his ability to uh, wrestle and take down is still there. It's something that he he's been able to do with the UFC when he when he wants to take someone down. He, he is so. I had the first round for Cody. Um, second round, um, you know, he, he got caught, and the crazy thing yep. about getting caught is that. I think 95%, maybe even higher of the UFC fighters, the whole roster would have been caught by that. You're defended, uh, you're back, and all of a sudden, you know, he, he reaches for the leg. Smart decision to tap out there. And he belongs there, though. It's not like the women's fight that was after it where somebody was just blown out no. by their competition. Oh, good Lord. That was that was. That was that was terrible. What were your thoughts on Cody? I, I thought I thought besides obviously getting caught, um, it shows he, he can compete at that level, and we knew it. But um, if you got to take a loss, and Sterling will be down there, uh, you know, um, I, I was more impressed his ability to close the distance, his hand speed. I uh, I thought he looked impressive until he got caught. I looked at this fight in a way um, where, you know, uh, earlier uh, earlier this year in January, DC fought Vulcan. 
um, for the light heavyweight title in January. And DC talked about there being levels to this game. And I went into this fight, and I think Cody, the one thing Cody had to do was take away that stigma that there's levels to this game. Because, you know, I think Sterling kind of looked at him, and I don't, I don't think Sterling respected him to that point. And that's why they had the, the jarring back and forth about their wrestling coming into the fight. And, you know, Cody got a little lippy with him, and it was nice to see some fire out of him. But the one thing I think Cody went in and did in this fight is, you know, take that level, if there's levels to this game comment, or that feeling that maybe people had about him, I think he changed it. You know, he, he was able to close the distance with a dangerous fighter like Sterling, whose reach, you know, who you know, you saw Sterling's reach and the, the little sticks of those kicks that he was throwing that Cody was beautifully blocking with his hands that mm. looked fantastic his defense. And the fact that he was able to close the distance and, and prove that his wrestling, I think, in the first round, which I had it going to Cody as well, uh, his wrestling was superior. And until he got caught in the second round, I thought Cody was winning the second round as well. Correct. Where I thought, you know, it would it would have been on Sterling to finish Cody in the third in order to win that fight. Oh, exactly. Cody set himself up perfect, perfectly. He just got caught, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think this is a, I don't think this is a bad loss for Cody. I think it's a learning experience, and I think he'll come back stronger. Yeah, I just looked it up. Uh, Sterling had a six point five inch reach advantage over Cody. Yeah, it was huge. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, it, and it showed. Yeah, it, it did. did. It showed, especially with the extension of the leg with the kicks that Cody was blocking. They just looked. It didn't look right. It didn't. They, the matchup didn't look. It didn't look fair. But with Cody being able to close the distance, and like we talked about earlier off air, you know, he didn't back up. He didn't shy away from it. Oh, he came out fighting right away. Was, I mean, yeah. I mean, he he went right in, and he was not afraid to, um, you know just to manhandle Sterling, especially against the cage. You know, the one thing people may not watch and miss is when you're up against the cage and you're on your feet and you're controlling one another, Cody was moving Sterling around where he wanted him to move. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think that, uh, I think that's kind of lost on people, you know, showing the talent and, you know, the old oh, the superiority that Cody, that Cody had in his wrestling that, and then that matchup. Cody doesn't get caught. That's a, that's a pure, um, a unanimous decision to, um, victory for Cody. Yep. Exactly. And he was able to take a, a few of Sterling's hardest punches. Uh, it shows, shows he's got yep. a chin, which I knew, but I mean, it, it's good to see on a, a national level too. And, uh, you know, it, that's just something that you can't train for. You either got a good chin or you don't. You know, Overeem is a guy that does not have a good chin. Uh, so, like, you know, you, you either, that. <laughs> right? Exactly. Uh, well, everybody's kind of showed that now. He just kind of he gets hit on the button and just drops. But um, well, uh, and 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 I mean, and yeah, uh, Sterling submitted him, but he submitted him in one of the rarest moves I've seen in the UFC. I mean, I have never I think only two people. <laughs> I think that we've only seen that twice. Yeah, in UFC history. Yeah, and, and and honestly, if Sterling did not have that reach advantage over Cody, he would probably would have not been able to do what he did. But because his arms are so long, he was able to reach back and catch Cody. You know, grab his foot like that, and that was. And I, I'll be honest with you, I did. In a first glance, I didn't think Cody tapped. I thought Cody swatted at him, like trying to. To punch him, but instead of it being a closed fist, it was an open hand palm slap. But then when I rewatched the replay, I was like, okay, yeah, he actually did tap. 
Which is the smart move. Yeah, it, it, was, yeah. A, it, was, it was a quick one tap. And, yeah. And the ref, was, the ref caught it very well. Yeah, he did. And that <clears throat> that's great on the ref. That could have done some damage to Cody. Yes. He would have held out of that any longer. Yeah, yeah, the ref was as surprised as everybody that that's where, you know, Sterling went. Right. I mean, just, I mean just <laughs> hey, all of a sudden he's right. grabbing everybody the leg. Everybody was. Like, what the, you, you know. listen to Joe Rogan, he's like, was he grabbing his leg? Like, And not even the submission of the night. Yeah. Uh, before the fight card, though, we were talking main event, and I started talking Woodley to you, and you know, I just said, you know what? It's because he he's the underdog, uh, because Dana White clearly does not like this guy. Clearly, they put some money in his opponent. Uh, the meme going around of uh, Dana White's face just behind Woodley, and I and I told you, you know, once again, no scientific reasoning behind it. I was just thinking Woodley. Because of the uh, everybody against him, what do you think of the main event, uh, the domination by Woodley? But also, um, just I mean, he wins. So what? 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 You know, it's it's the ultimate f you to the UFC. It's like it's like you can't do anything because I'm winning. It's almost like he's winning despite Dana. And <laughs> for me personally, I'm a I'm a Ty- I'm a Tyron fan um, to a point. I liked the, my favorite. One of my favorite fights at 205 was Woodley Woodley Wonderboy one. I thought that fight was fantastic, and the rematch, of course, fell short of expectations. And then he fought Damian Maya, and a lot of people thought he could have put Damian Maya away a lot quicker than he did. And then, uh, and then you have him walking into this fight with Darren Till, where people just it, it was almost like Dana White was he wanted to stack the stack the odds. It felt. It, I think there's two fighters in the UFC that maybe um, over this past year that have had odds stacked against them, and I think that was Stipe yeah. with Francis, that, and then uh, you know Darren uh, Tyron uh, with Darren Till, and um, coming into this fight, I, I, I think people kind of were justified in the way that they felt after the Wonder Boy two and the Damian Maya fight because they know what Tyron's capable of. Mm-hmm. Look back to where he won the title against Robbie Lawler. That was a hell of a performance. Right. <laughs> and then you go back to the first Wonder Boy fight, too. And this, just the performance that he gave there, people were upset that they didn't get to see that Tyron Woodley. Well, I'll tell you what, that Tyron Woodley was at 228, and he messed up Darren Till. Made yeah. Darren Till look like a complete amateur in the second round. Showed his power, showed his speed. Those elbows, I've never seen a man take elbows like Darren Till took. Yeah. And the fact that he was able to eat a couple of those and still go on was was amazing to me. But if there's anybody who's going to question Tyron Woodley right now, it better not be Dana White. <laughs> well, I mean, you know the, you know he. Let's just be honest. Dana doesn't wear. He doesn't have a good poker face. You, you clearly, as he's putting the strap back on Woodley, it just looks you know disappointed. He had talked. Till all week about how he he's a superstar that's come he, you know he, he's right. a special fighter. That being said, oh, about the the Woodley prediction I had that I was right with is that I didn't think he would dominate that great. And you start you start realizing that Woodley now has lined up, you know, like you, you like you said, an impressive resume. Where do you think Woodley ranks all time as a UFC fighter? Because uh, a couple more fights, and he's got to be in the mix top fifty for sure. I, I mean, right now, I don't, I don't, I don't know where you put Tyron because he needs to. I think Tyron needs that super fight. 
I think he needs that one. I think he needed at one point he needed to fight George St. Pierre. Right. And I think that's something that he needs. And he's um, gone forever and probably never come back. Think, you know? Yeah, I think I think there's still people still have that stigma. Okay, yeah, he went out and he put on a hell of a show at two twenty eight against Darren Till. <clears throat> but Tyron fights to retain his title. He's a point fighter. But a lot of people don't understand too that somebody like Stephen Wonderboy Thompson at times he's a point fighter as well. Uh, and it's kind of like a reverse um, criticism, but I, I really believe that Tyron needs a, a big win. And I think I don't think Darren Till is a big win. I think it was a statement fight for him, but he needs that super fight. He needs to he needs to walk into the octagon and face somebody gigantic, and he needs to dominate them. And then you're looking at probably a, a top 50, maybe a top 30 UFC fighter of all time. Oh wow! I, I mean, mean as, I, far as, as far as welterweight goes, I mean, I don't think he's the best welterweight that we've ever seen. I don't think he's the best one seventy. I think that's George St. Pierre, right? But I, I, I just, I don't think. Uh, I think right now he needs one more big fight to go ahead and be considered, you know, a top fifty, top thirty fighter. Exactly. We were talking about uh, UFC going to Russia. It, it's big. Not so much because of the card. Obviously, that's not kind of probably what the UFC had envisioned, but because the Conor McGregor thing uh, was kind of on hold, uh, you know, I'm sure they wanted their superstar there in Russia. But if anything, UFC is growing new country. Uh, It's Russia. Um, And then the next few weekends, the UFC picks up all the way to what the super fight is. But we've talked about it. The super fight could be a dud you know uh it it could the styles are actually not idealistic and uh you know as cody our our, uh uh co-host would say i mean it's a good chance that khabib might wrestle fuck him and just uh, just like just totally dominate connor and it just be a bore fest what do you think is going to happen over the coming weeks obviously connor isn't doing media He's only going to make two appearances for the UFC, which that's got to make UFC so happy. And, uh, you know, it, it's just a different time around this time with McGregor. I, the, the other big question mark is, does this fight even happen? Yeah. Uh, does Khabib make weight? I mean, <laughs> I, that's that's still one thing that scares me about, about Khabib is that is he going to make weight? Um, he, because this is the biggest UFC fight on record right now. <clears throat> It'll do... It'll do almost two million buys. They're saying, as far as a buy rate goes, I don't know that this fight even happens, and that's why I think Kevin Lee is staying ready, and there's other people that there'll be other 155ers that'll be ready to step in. But stylistically, I don't think uh, I think this fight kind of kind of favors Connor, and I and I say that because within that first three round period, um, I'm going to say that if Connor can catch Khabib with one of his lefts. Connor's precision, his timing, his speed, and this, the overall power that left hand packs. You guys, you guys made a joke about knocking Aldo out earlier. Yeah. Um, you know how, how you know, and especially with Habib showing that he can get caught. Uh, Michael Johnson at two hundred five, looking sloppy against Aliquinta uh, when he won um, the one fifty five title. You know, I and that scared me walking into um, Habib's. 155 title match against Aquinta. I honestly said to the person I watch UFC with monthly at my house, I, I looked at him and I said, 
Habib's the scariest man walking this earth after that Edson Barboza fight. Yeah. I don't think there's any way, I don't think there's anybody who can beat him. Uh, he toyed with Edson Barboza for five rounds. Right. And, and then he walked out and he kind of just, you know, coasted against Quinta. You can't coast against Conor McGregor. Uh, Conor's going to come out, and I think Conor has points to prove. Conor has, has not lost either of his belts. He was stripped of both. He really feels he's still the champion. And you have him, and he has this power in this left that, you know, if, if he could not, I look at it this way, he took, he fought a man, a triathlete, Nate Diaz, who naturally has 30 pounds on him, and who's 6'3", and he put him on his, you know, he put him on his butt how many times in, the, in, in both fights. Right. The, the power of that left is incredible. What's he, if Michael Johnson had Sabib, what do you think Conor, Conor McGregor could do to him? I mean, you know, if Connor's not so long from the octagon, I, I, I totally see it. it. It's just that the the chance card and on a monopoly board is, God, connor has been away for a long time. I mean, the the Floyd Mayweather stuff, and it, it's one of those things where it's like when you when you focus that. And then we, none of us will ever know what it's like to have that much money and how much that changes your lifestyle. Right. I mean, we're we're not talking like a couple million like you're a Detroit Tiger player. The dude took home about a hundred million freaking dollars from a boxing match. That's the one thing that I won't know until fight night, and that's what intrigues me. Like, is the is the you know? I mean, already stuff's different. You know, Connor used to like. I mean, for the Mayweather thing, he the the press tour where they just would get in each other's face and talk. That was so much Connor. He's already different. In which I'm going to give you my one appearance plus my one way in, and then I'll see you guys on fight night. It's already a different Connor. So that's the chance card I'm curious about. <clears throat> and and it's, a lot of people are wondering if, if what kind of Conor McGregor we're going to get because we haven't seen him in the octagon. <clears throat> and, you know, is he going to be, like you said, is it a changed Conor McGregor? How How is he going to be different? You know, is he going to be, you know, less reserved? You know, does he just not care as much anymore? I, I, I don't believe that's it. I think Conor McGregor is somebody who, I, th- I think he's still Conor McGregor. Mm-hmm. Just he has to come out and show it. Yeah. You know, and, and I... I, and I really, I have this going. I mean, my prediction all along has been Connor and two. Um, not, I think he's going to stop Khabib and two. It's either that happens or Khabib's going to take him the distance. And uh, you know, I, I think Khabib, I think Khabib wins the decision. But you know, it, it just it comes down to can Connor McGregor be Connor McGregor? Yeah, I mean, uh, if that's and he, if that happens where Conor McGregor, uh, like you said, in second, I mean, he goes down as like the UFC's Muhammad Ali. And it will just be something legendary where people will be like, I remember watching Conor McGregor. You know, the guy talked a lot and uh, two belts and, you know, stripped for different reasons. Obviously, Muhammad Ali for uh, religious beliefs with Vietnam. But, I mean, all of a sudden you start – getting into the showmanship of Conor McGregor and, and what he means, if he can do what you said he can do. I mean, it'll go down as like, wow, like, you know, like, you know, the greatest of all time, whether you believe Muhammad Ali or not, you just have the title. You're the greatest of all time. And I don't, I don't see why people don't, I, I don't see why people doubt him now. Um, you know, I, I respect Conor a lot more coming out of that Floyd fight than I did when, you know, when he walked into it. 
Right. You know, he, 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 he hit Floyd a lot more than people gave him credit for the, what he was going to be able to do. And even though he lost that fight, I, I really believe that he was, uh, he showed that he did belong, maybe not in the same ring as Floyd Mayweather at that point in time, right. but he belonged, you know, in a boxing ring too. Right. He, you know, I don't think he, I don't think he was as bad as many people thought he was going to be. I mean, but you don't walk out of a fight with Floyd Mayweather um, without getting better, I don't think. Yeah. I think that whole entire camp made Connor an overall better fighter, and now he just has to show it. Made him an all all around better business person. I mean, basically the the rumors are UFC had to give him a little bit of the 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 pie to even get him back. You know, the ownership group that you know Tom Brady, all these people are a part of now. And uh, you know, if, if those you, ru- if rumors to, if you, are true, if you had to take a guess, what do you what do you think he got? Uh, Percentage wise, or like share wise, or what what do you think he's getting? I don't even know. There's. Per- Probably so many backdoor deals here, uh, you know, and, and probably so many endorsement deals. He's always had big endorsement deals. Uh, I, I I would assume, you know, Reebok is paying him like five. I, I imagine it, it, for sure it will be like a record that when it's added, no one will touch for a while. Maybe twenty five million for an MMA fight, which is just unheard of. You know, something crazy. I mean, you know, twenty probably twenty five million with backdoor deals. I mean, what do you think? Twenty-five million. I, I was thinking right around the twenty to twenty-five million mark. Yeah, yeah. Um, where it's probably going to come in. Yeah, and that's endorsements. Uh, that's just not purse like boxing. That's endorsements. That's uh, some UFC stock. That's a little bit of everything, you know. And and that's where that uh, the amount's going to come, you know. Plus the fifty thousand for knockout of the night, if you're correct with the second round finish, you know. At that time, the fifty thousand is going to be on like some stripper pole later that night, and. Uh, uh, that, you know the be, town. He'll tip that money. <laughs> exactly. That will. You that won't even. Is. You won't even cash that check. <laughs> like I mean, you'd just be like, yeah, no. that that one's okay. Uh, but Mike, that's like a ten dollar. That's like a ten dollar check to us. <laughs> yeah. Tell tell everybody where they can find uh, your uh, podcast. that is also on uh, Terrestrial Radio, which is the uh, I think very impressive. Where can they find you if they're interested in storm chasing or learning a little bit more about what you do? Um, well, if you want to go ahead and um, take a look and follow my page on Facebook, um, we're the Texas Vortex Storm Chase Team. Um, I'm headed up uh, Michigan, Indiana, um, and uh, Illinois and Wisconsin right now. I have a great team, and we we were right now we're all focused on covering Hurricane Florence um, for our uh, for our page. You know, we're over fourteen thousand strong on our main page, so please come and join us there. Um, I record the Chasers Lounge. Uh, every uh, bi-weekly from two to four on Sundays for cave radio. Um, we're on the cave radio app or SoundCloud or Mixcloud, So make sure to check us out there. Um, other than that, I'm not a Twitter guy, so I can't get into Twitter. I have a personal Twitter, but I just, I, I use it to, uh, I, I just, I, I can't get into posting tweets normally. It just doesn't feel right to me. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I'm also, if you, if you happen to live in Connecticut, I'm, I'm syndicated at 105.1 every Monday night at eight o'clock for you um, for your drive home. So yeah, I think that's the coolest thing. Listeners. Not only that, uh, you do discuss MMA on your show. You know your shit. Thank you so much for joining us, Mike. Uh, we greatly appreciate it, breaking it down. And then uh, we'll be in touch soon. I mean, if if anything happens with the hurricane, who knows? We might be talking to you next Tuesday. You know. All right. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me, guys. All right. Take care. That's Michael Reisner. We are going to wrap up the show for tonight. Um, once again, Second to None Promotions presents boxing February. I'm um, not February. Uh, September, Friday, wow. September 14th. <laughs> 
Uh, at De Carlos Banquet Center, tickets are still available. Uh, you can get it at s2nboxing.com. Uh, Jimmy, good yep. show, good good prep by you for 1986. Uh, we celebrate 1987. <laughs> and then, uh, I don't know, there's a little boxing event happen Saturday. Yeah, so we're going to have know, someone to talk some, about. Yeah, and know, then uh, Cody will gradually... Yeah, yeah. Uh, join mm-hmm. us again, uh, and uh, we'll have hilarity and hijinks. So we'll see everybody <laughs> next week. Take care.